everyone. Welcome to today's E&E training where we'll be talking about missions in Africa. If you're at all interested in either going to Africa on a mission trip and want to know what it's like and what to expect or just enjoy learning about contextualizing the gospel in different cultures, this training is for you. For those of you who are new to International Commission, our mission is equipping and enabling believers of the gospel of Jesus Christ worldwide by partnering with local churches in evangelism to share his gospel with unbelievers and make disciples. Everything we do is filtered through this mission and our vision to share the gospel and make disciples, whether it's across the street or around the world. One way we do this is by sending teams around the world on short-term trips to partner with churches and together go out and share the good news of Jesus with people the church members have been praying for. We train the missionaries who go on these trips on how to share the gospel using a variety of simple tools that the team then teaches the receiving churches so everyone feels equipped, enabled, and encouraged to share about Jesus. For 50 years, IC has been partnering with churches in nearly every country to strategically equip, enable, reach, and disciple people to Jesus. Each and every year, we receive thousands of praise reports of people who have heard the gospel and have made the decision to follow Jesus. And we hope to keep going for another 50 years to the glory of God. The purpose of these e, e trainings is to equip and enable you to grow in confidence so that you can share the gospel and make disciples with a variety of people using different applicable gospel sharing tools. Specifically, this training will serve to open your eyes to missions in Africa, how it differs from other countries and cultures, and hopefully be a source of encouragement and information if you are considering going to Africa yourself, either short-term or long-term. Today, I am joined by two gentlemen, both named Jeffrey. One Jeffrey is IC's long-term and faithful leader who is the regional coordinator of Southern Africa and the islands. And the other is a frequent IC goer who has gone to Africa several times as a missionary on short-term trips. You're gonna hear from both of these gentlemen today about their cross-cultural ministry experience as both a goer on a short-term team and a receiver of a short-term team. So without any further ado, it's time to meet both of these guys, Jeffrey and Jeffrey, welcome. To start us off, I just wanna hear a little bit more from you. You can share your full name, where you live. Jeffrey in Africa, let's go ahead and start with you. Thank you very much, Ali. Hi, it's Jeffrey. Um, my name is uh, Jeffrey Mwanyenya, um, and I'm actually based in Blawayo. Lawayo is the second uh, capital city. It's the second city from the capital, which is uh, in Zimbabwe. Um, that's in Africa. So that's who I am, uh, and that's where I'm based. Thank you. Awesome. And Jeff, do you go by yeah. Jeff or Jeffrey? Yeah, let's just. Uh, I go by Jeff, and that's probably best for this interview. To see All right. <laughs> Great. Great. Jeffrey and Jeff. All right. So Jeff, you just told us that you moved from Texas to Kentucky. That's right. Yeah. So I was living in Texas for uh, uh, since 2013 for seminary and I uh, got really involved with IC down there. And so I just recently moved up to Indiana to join a church up there that's really supportive of my ministry. It's in uh, Valparaiso. Um, but I would say I have many places to hang my hat, but where I call home is uh, Hodgenville, Kentucky, and uh, that's right. where I grew up. So Awesome. So, Jeff, tell us how many mission trips have you been on, and how many have you been on to Africa specifically? 
Okay. So I was, I was thinking about that question and I've been probably on around 30 mission trips, uh, 24 different countries I know. And many of those have been with IC. I've been to two mission trips uh, to Africa, possibly four, if you include Egypt in there. Um, so I've been to Cairo, Egypt, and several places in Egypt, which I guess that's part of Africa as well. But I've been to Zimbabwe and Malawi. So you've been on a ton of different mission trips. Can I assume that's been all over the world, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa? Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Is that because you just want to get a, a global experience sharing the gospel in different areas? Or what, what drew you to Africa specifically if you only go to certain places? Well, God's called me as a traveling evangelist, and I know that you, you don't hear much of that these days. Billy Graham is an example of that, um, but he has specifically called me to that. And so uh, the times that I've gone to Africa, um, it's been by request of other people. People have reached out to me saying, hey, I want you on this trip, and I've prayed about it and just affirmation from the Lord. This is what I want you to do, and God's provision as well, um, his provision to go. Um, that's a big thing. And so just uh, praying through that and seeking the Lord. And yeah, I ended up on these trips and um, I believe that's where God had called me to specifically. What other areas of the world have you been in? Uh, Malaysia, Mongolia, Nepal, uh, Bolivia, Costa Rica. Uh, um, See so several places in Africa, Egypt, uh, Dubai, um, 20, 24 specifically. I just got back from Czech Republic. I was in Brazil just recently. I was in Egypt this year. Um, yeah, wow. I, could, I could go one. So I, yeah, I've been quite a bit. Uh, Mongolia, if I said that. Um, yeah, quite a, quite a few. <laughs> and how long have you been a traveling evangelist? Uh, the Lord specifically called me in 2009, um, but I didn't start going on overseas mission trips until 2013. That's about the okay. time I started seminary. Wow. Well, praise God. Jeffrey, in Africa, you have been serving with IC for around eight years. Is that right? Sure. It's around eight years now. Mm -hmm. So tell us about your experience. You are one of our, or you are our coordinator in Africa. So can you just share a little bit about what that means, what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis, and do you just work in your home country of Zimbabwe or the south of Africa, all of Africa? Tell us more about kind of what you do in your role at IC. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, this is a wonderful privilege that I have uh, working with International Commission and being responsible for uh, Southern Africa and the islands. <laughs> I've been uh, working uh, like I said, for, for about eight years now. Um, my experience has been um, very interesting and you know challenging at the same time. Uh, having to put up some projects in different places and having to have some leaders that I work with in those different areas, um, developing those leaders and also um, coordinating everything that they do uh, in those, uh, we've got about eight, uh, about nine countries in, in Southern Africa and uh, around about four or five uh, that we are actively working in uh, in the islands. So it has been an awesome uh, experience. Uh, it, it has challenged me in so many ways. It has also 
uh, helped me to grow in my leadership skills, in my communication skills, uh, in my in the way I minister, I do ministry, sharing the gospel, and and all those things. So I'm excited. I'm so excited about what I do. Good. So tell us a little bit about your your background. Have you been a Christian for a long time? What was maybe your previous occupation before you started serving at IC? And tell us how you came to Christ and came into this position as coordinator with IC. I, I, I grew up in the eastern side of the country, um, which is beyond Mutare, where Jeff knows, uh, just further down from Mutare. Um, and, you know, I was, I was raised in a family of nine, um, and I'm the seventh born. Uh, and, you know, when I was growing up, uh, we grew up as, as, as Baptists, you know, we went to the Baptist church. My, my mother, you know, used to take us to church, you know, and, but as I was growing up, you know, there's so many other naughty things that you begin to do as a child. You begin to, uh, to find yourself, you know, uh, getting exposed to other things, you know, with the friends and things like that. And when I was in that uh, situation, I was growing up at, in, in, the, in the rural areas. Then um, at some point, there's, a, there's a, a team that came to our community. Uh, they were sharing the Jesus film. Um, and by then, I was about uh, 13, 14. They were sharing the Jesus film. And like I said, we're very uh, naughty guys, you know, and we would go to such events wanting to disrupt, wanting to uh, make noise, throwing stones and things like that with other young boys. Um, but the, when the, the Jesus Film team came to our community, we'd gone with the same intention. But when I was, uh, when we were watching the Jesus Film almost to the end or halfway, uh, something caught my eyes and I was so captivated and I started following through. When I was following through, I had things that really touched my heart, you know, along the way. And towards the end of the Jesus film, the pastor stood up and said, um, he, he just he started sharing. He also shared from the book of Hebrews, I think it should, should be chapter nine, where he said it was appointed for a man to die once after, after that first judgment. So I got so convicted at that point. And young as I was, I then thought to myself, I think, something has to change in my life. My emptiness has to be dealt with, my inadequacies, you know, and even my insecurities that I had that time. So I went up front, joining the other people who had gone up front. And then um, he, he, he led us in, you know, uh, through the sinner's prayer, and I gave my life to the Lord. From then, um, I then started serving the Lord, and there was a conscious, you know, moment that I knew uh, what had happened because it also kept on being explained. I went to the baptism class and I got baptized, you know, in the church after all those, uh, after, after that incident. So this is a little bit background of how I became a Christian. And from there, um, I did my high school. I did my, um, my college. Um, then God also called me uh, to, 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 to join ministry. Um, and I was under a pastor who was very strict. And when I told him about wanting to go to the Bible school, wanting to join ministry, he said, uh, young man, it's not as easy as you think. It's not just, you cannot just do it just like that. So I want you to stay, to, to, 
I, I want to be to be like mentoring you for the next year uh, and we really need to know I want you to be very clear that this is what God has called you to do and I was a bit frustrated because I really wanted to go so I did stay for another year but I also learned the importance of that to happen to me then um, the following year he was also quite you know convinced that I had a calling and then I went to the Bible school. Uh, then after Bible school, I started uh, serving as a pastor um, for quite some years. Uh, then after that, uh, that's when I that's when when I was in Blawayo, that's when uh, one project that happened. I think it should be 2014 or 15, uh, where Namo came uh, and they did an international project here, and I was involved and got exposed. And Namo uh, was also uh quite impressed with with me my performance and my uh my, my my ability to work with him and work out that the project be a success then from there um he started sending me uh to go and mobilize to go and um set up projects uh a few projects that he sent me to i remember going to uh to, to zambia I remember organizing another one uh, locally here in Zimbabwe, uh, and I was penciled also to go to to Botswana, and you know he he was he was really pushing me around, and you know I had to run around and do that. After Lamo passed away, uh, that's when I was you know discovered and appointed that I can actually, if I was willing, I could volunteer to uh, work with IC. I think I volunteered for over a year or so. Uh, then after that, that's when I was uh, uh, enlisted as the principal coordinator for Southern Africa and up to now. Yes, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. The Jesus film is very powerful. I've heard of people seeing that all over the world and it's also just a great visual depiction of the story of Jesus. So praise God that you saw that and the Lord brought you to repentance through that. Tell us a few facts about the Southern Africa culture and the religious climate. So is there a dominant religion in Zimbabwe or in the islands around Africa? And kind of what's that culture like for people who may have never been to Africa before, but are curious about what it might be like if they visit there? So Southern Africa, like I said, it has got so many, uh, this, uh, many countries and each country might have uh, the different dynamics. Uh, but generally, you you see, there there there, there are a lot of uh, things that we have in common. Like the African culture has a way um, of 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 uh, being receptive, being hospitable, uh, especially to people who are coming from um, from from outside uh, or even locally. And at the same time, despite all the challenges that they that they might, might be, you know, most people in Africa, you, you can see traces of poverty. Uh, there are quite a number of uh, challenges uh, in terms of sometimes the political climate in a country. Uh, there might be challenges here and there uh, in terms of uh, hunger as well. But despite all those things, um, we, 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 we you also see a common denominator of receptivity, of uh, quite being warm and uh, welcoming. Uh, in terms of uh, church, one of the things that I've really realized, you know, depicting from uh, 
the, the visits that I've done, I've met to different countries, even beyond Southern Africa, uh, I've realized that uh, there's been a lot that happened over the years in terms of reaching out to people, uh, evangelizing like the mass crusades and everything else. But one of the things that you continue to realize is when you get to some people uh, in different countries, you realize there's a lot of issues that have to be addressed in terms of salvation. The real uh, issue of salvation has been a big issue. You still, you mm -hmm. still get into churches and ask people to give the testimonies how they became Christians. They can't put that together. They don't have that testimony as clear as it should be. And one of the policies, one of the things that I've been teaching is, it's either you have the testimony and you can clearly articulate it, or you don't have the testimony and you fumble around. Mm -hmm. So it has been very difficult to really, you know, get that from the people. Uh, later on, in the issues of discipleship has been also has, has been also a big issue. And also, some when you go to the internet, you also you you also read things like seventy to eighty percent in Africa uh, they are Christians or they they go to church, but you don't uh, you just have a lot of religious people who don't have a relationship with Christ. Uh, that's one of the beauty of uh, the Ministry of International Commission uh, that it you know we share the gospel and we really bring it to the people uh, on, a, on a lesser level in terms of family, in terms of uh, uh, individuals and things like that, where you really have a conversation with the person and the person would really give you whether they've given their life to the Lord or not, or whether they are just religious people, you can easily pick that. One of the things that we also do is when you get to a family and you ask them, uh, are you born again? Are you, are you, are you, have you given your life to the Lord? Most people say, yes, we have. But you also realize at uh, the moment you ask them, how did it happen? That's where you see nothing mm -hmm. of that sort happen. Because everyone, they think if they go to church, they're Christians. If they are baptized, they're Christians and all other things. But now, Ministry of International Commission uh, has really redressed some of these issues. There's also really uh, put things into proper perspective and ground people uh, in, the, in, in their relationship with God. And it is, this has been one of the phenomenal things that I've always loved with International Commission. Well, praise God. You know, we have the same problem in the United States. A lot of people go to church. They are religious. They think they're a Christian, but they haven't actually made a personal decision to follow Jesus. And unfortunately, they might not even know what that means. They just have this cultural understanding of if I go to church, I'm a Christian, or if I just believe in God, I'm a Christian. So you're right. It's really important to personally and intentionally share the good news of Jesus, what that is, and make it clear that it's a decision that everyone has to make as an individual. It's not a, a cultural or a family or a society decision. It's a very personal decision. Jeff, tell us what your experience has been like sharing the gospel in Africa. Do you find that people are open? Are they closed? Do they already know the story of Jesus? Like Jeffrey was just saying, people are very religious. So just tell us a little bit about um, your experience sharing the gospel and what people may already know or not know. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I would say I would agree with everything Jeffrey said that they are um, warm, hospitable, 
uh, very receptive. I think one of the phrases that we would often use on a mission field when you when you uh, go to areas like this would be like low hanging fruit, like uh, um, there the the harvest is ripe. Um, so we can put it that way. I would say too that many many people um, that I encountered over there, um, I would say are religious. Uh, would probably identify with Christianity. Um, I remember going to Zimbabwe. We, there were um, Christian cults. Uh, I don't really know the name, but I was talking to one of the pastors as we were driving. I noticed that there was a, a group of people that would wear all white. Um, and so, and from my understanding, they they believe very differently than conservative Christianity. Evan, um and uh, there was also Muslims too. So, but uh, I I went over to a mosque one day and I sat down with a bunch of Muslims sitting out front. I had a group of Muslims and we all had really civilized conversation and got to share the gospel with them. Uh, did any of them come to Christ? No. Um, many of the homes we went and sat in, um, I found that the people were very warm, welcoming, hospitable. Um, I would say that many of them would say that they believe. Um, but then as Jeffrey said, when you actually press them about how you came to Christ, they don't really have a story to tell. Jeffrey, as a leader in Africa, as someone who helps coordinate the logistics of receiving a team with a group of churches in, for example, Zimbabwe, um, I know that you've worked with many teams, many Americans. What would you say are some do's and don'ts when it comes to sharing the gospel in, in your culture? Okay, thank you very much. Um, uh, there might not be really, you know, hard fasting, hard fasting do's and don'ts, but we we all, all we always encourage, you know, uh, when the teams come this side from from America, we always um, encourage them uh, to to be traveling if they're moving around uh, or if they're doing ministry or even the day to day traveling. Uh, it's also advisable to be with uh, a local person or in a group of a local or of local people. Uh, in that in that way, um, you there's certain other things that might uh, that that might need to encounter, and it's always easy that you consult with a local person. And, and when you are not very sure as well, it's also mm -hmm. wise that you talk to the local person and say, "Can I do this? Is it is it okay if I do this?" And we've seen a lot of uh, Americans who come here, uh, coming to that point where they're not sure whether, I, whether to do this or not, and they consult, and it actually uh, makes you know the flow of the of the of, of the uh, work and of the ministry uh, to be you know ascertained. Uh, then the other thing that I also uh, realize is um, when people are going about the work, uh, some some people like. You know the growing exposures and everything else. People have become so skeptical when it comes to the issue of uh, having photos taken. Some would not want photos to be taken, and some would be gladly, you know, willing mm -hmm. to have you take some photos. So, in, 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 in from time to time, you know, it, it is always been advisable to find out either from the people or with the with the person that you are moving around with. And in most cases. In the spirit of um, hospitality and in, in the spirit of welcoming visitors, no, mostly people don't decline, uh, but they all feel honored 
if you know one finds out and probably ask them and things like that. Um, then the other issue is um, there's, there's some, there are many other countries which are very sensitive in terms of politics, especially vis-a-vis -vis, uh, visitors, people coming into the country from outside. Uh, so we always encourage and advise uh, that people don't really necessarily, you know, get into some discussions about polit politics and about, you know, governance in, the, in those countries. Uh, and, and the general rule, you know, that when you go to a, to a foreign country, even ourselves, if I move from Zimbabwe to go to Malawi or to go to South Africa, I would speak good about the country that I visited. So that I don't, I'm not, I'm not found to be crossing paths, you know, with other people. So we encourage that, you know, people just see the good in that country, uh, despite what you might have heard or what you might have seen and, and things like that. And also, we um, encourage, you know, people to to be to 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 be respectful to the culture. Um, uh, as much as probably there are differences in terms of culture, but also not to tolerate things that are not also God honoring in the culture, but just be, you know, uh, tolerant to, to how people do things. And one of the things that we've always been uh, seeing uh, when teams come, uh, there's many things that we do in our cultures, you know, around, you know, parts of Africa, which, you know, are so new. To the american culture and the americans get excited wanting to know more investigating that is no problem it's, it's also good and the other thing that you also want to realize is uh there's a lot of art you know africa has got a lot of art people are so artistic you know and those things you know we also uh enjoy when the americans come and they admire and they also really get excited about the work of art that we, uh, we, we have around, you know, in, in, in Africa. So maybe some of those things, but all in all, uh, it's, it's so flexible, it's so uh, open, and mm -hmm. uh, you can even do things without really thinking, as long as you are not really crossing such bold lines. Uh, I think, you know, Jeff would confirm that, you know, Africa is easy going and like we say, people are warm and people are so hospitable and people are so, you know, uh, welcoming. Right. So when we send a team on a trip to partner with churches, we train the participants in various ways to share the gospel and not that one is better than another, but we just want people to feel equipped and know how to share the gospel. Um, and we just tell people, use what works for you. You don't have to use one specific tool, but a lot of people um, want to share the gospel. They just don't know what to say or how to do. So that's why at International Commission, we're really passionate about training people in lots of different tools. And we just say, use what works for you. So with that, when people go to Africa, they can use a variety of different ways to share the gospel. Um, we use something called the Evangel Cube, kind of looks like a Rubik's Cube and you open it up and it shares the story of Jesus. Um, another way is we print out testimonies with with um, someone's personal story and then some Bible verses and questions that can help lead someone through the conversation of 
what do they believe about God and Jesus? Do they want to accept the Lord? Another simple tool we teach is the three circles. So those are just a few examples. But with that, is there any specific way that you've seen people share the gospel in your country that really, really works, that people are really receptive to, really enjoy? Um, and it doesn't have to be one that I just shared as, as an example, but anything that comes to mind that you've seen people been really receptive to? Uh, you mean uh, in, in the context of the teams coming to Africa? Yes. Okay. Um, I think the Evangelic Cube has been very colorful and it has been very amazing in terms of uh, presenting the gospel. Um, I remember we went, um, we were in a rural area uh, and, you know, the, 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 the missionary that I had, uh, the participant that I had uh, was from, this, from America. Uh, sharing the gospel to the whole bunch of kids that were on, a, on an assembly at a, at a school. And she, you know, small as it, as it is, and she was opening it and she was presenting the gospel using the Vanjie Cube. And all the children were so glued, they were so wanting to come and they even moved, uh, coming closer, wanting to see. And they got the message so clearly. Mm -hmm. So the Evangel Cube has been one powerful, one one powerful tool that I've seen that has been so amazing. But as you have also said, I think the testimony uh, is equally critical and crucial. So it also depends on uh, the setup where you and also you 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 be you be following the lead. You know where the Holy Spirit prompts you that no, in this case you need to use the Romans rod. Some so, some people are so conversant with the Romans rod, you know. And then the people, be, then you begin to share the, the gospel using the Romans rod and people get it, you know, and it's, 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 it's quite powerful. So I, 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 don't, I don't think of any tools that have been used so far that I can say it can be less in terms of uh, importance, but it also depends on where you are and what, what's the prompt you're having, you are hearing, you, you, you are hearing or you are, you are getting from the Holy Spirit that you should use uh, on a different setup. But those equally powerful tools, uh, and I, I, I've, I've seen a lot of uh, people uh, getting the clarity of the gospel, receiving Christ, and also uh, getting to the point of conviction as a result of those tools. Praise God. Thanks for sharing that. And like you were saying, sharing your story, sharing your testimony, that is powerful. People love stories. And I know when we encounter people from different cultures, it's really interesting to learn about your family, your culture, your life. And so we always find that sharing our story about our family um, and how we came to know Christ, people are really interested in hearing that. And no one can refute your story. Even if you're sharing your story with someone from a different religion, a different culture, they can't say, oh, that's not true, or I don't believe that. Like, no, it's your story. It's, it's true. And so it's really important to share the story God has given you because it is powerful. And of course, the word of God alone is powerful. John 3, 16, the Romans road, like you had mentioned, all of those are really powerful ways to share about Christ. Now, Jeff, when it comes to sharing the gospel, what did you say? You've been to, you've been on over 30 mission trips, you're traveling evangelists, you've had a lot of experience sharing the gospel all over the world. Have you ever been afraid to share the gospel or have you just always been really bold and confident and have known what to say? Have you, have you always been that way or have you ever 
had any fears? And if you have had fears, how did you get over those fears? Even to this day, as an evangelist, I have fears. Um, I think even the Apostle Paul would even back that up in First uh, Corinthians chapter two. There, when he first came to the, the the Corinthians, he said, "I came to you in fear and trembling." And so, um, I think ever since day one, God called me as an evangelist. I've always uh, wrestled with fear. Um, but several things that I could tell you that I think will um, will help you with that. Um, I see fear as actually an ally, and and here's why. Um, fear makes me run to Jesus and say, oh, God, help me. I can't do this without you. And Jesus makes it very clear that apart from me, you can do nothing. And in that fear, when I begin to experience that, I run to Jesus and I say, oh, God, help me. I can't do it. And and by running to Jesus and and but still continuing forward, making a step of faith, saying, God, I'm going to do this anyway. And trusting in Jesus, uh, you will see God move in a powerful way and you will see him do incredible things. And once you've made that, that step of faith and you see what God has done, then you always can come back to that and remember that what he's done. So the next time you experience that, you remember, I remember what God did last time. Mm -hmm. And then you do it again. And, uh, and so I would say that the more you practice taking that step of faith, when you begin to experience fear and sharing the gospel, um, you're going to grow and God is going to use you mightily. And that fear is a good thing. I, I just think back on times where I've gone to the pulpit and I'm all confident in what I'm going to say. And I get up there and it's probably one of the worst sermons I ever preach. But when I go into the pulpit and I am terrified, I am scared. I'm shaking in my boots. Um, that makes me run to Jesus. And, and that's when I've seen the anointing of God and the power of God. And as Paul would say, demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I just encourage anybody, if you're wrestling with fear, you need to take that to the Lord and you say, oh, God, help me. And you need to try to you need to make the step to go forward and uh, and make the step of faith and and see what God will do with you. It's amazing. And so uh, I just encourage people to do that. And then another thing that I think helps, too, um, is expanding your comfort zone. Um, it, you know, when you when you first started driving a car, you didn't uh, you were probably nervous as can be. And the more you did it, you became comfortable with it. And and so I, I would also say that, too, with the more you share the gospel, um, uh, the more you study the gospel and understand the gospel and, and especially articulating the gospel is a big thing. Um, that's going to help you expand your comfort zone um, and getting out there and sharing the gospel and growing in evangelism. Absolutely. That is such an encouragement that you just shared because someone could easily look at you and be like, oh, this guy's been on so many mission trips. He's shared the gospel around the world. He knows what he's doing and, and he does it really well, but I could never do that. But what you just said is you still have fears, but it pushes you closer to the Lord to rely on him to give you the word, to give you the strength, to give you the confidence. And a lot of people are held back by fear they they won't ever share or they won't ever go because they have just these fears and hesitations that are holding them back and we know that fear come from the enemy and so i just think your story is very powerful 
because you recognize these fears that the enemy is trying to use to keep you from doing the work of the Lord. But you say, no, no, Satan, God is going to give me the strength. He's going to give me the courage and the confidence to proclaim the word. All that to say, thank you for sharing your experience because we've all been there in some way, but we shouldn't allow that to hold us back from doing what God has called each of us to do, which is to go and make disciples of all nations mm -hmm baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that God has commanded us. Jeffrey, you shared about your country, the, the religious climate, the culture. Is there anything else that you want Americans to know about your country or your culture? Maybe it's a misconception people might have, but what is something that you want people to know about your country? Okay. Um, singling out Zimbabwe, uh, being one of the countries in Southern Africa. Um, we, one of the things that we also have um, is the, one of the seven wonders of the, uh, of the world, which is uh, Victoria Falls. We share Victoria Falls with Zambia, but uh, they, people have always confirmed that the best view of the falls is in Zimbabwe. So that's one thing that we, we, we really have that we can, showcase to the whole world <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um but at the same time uh well, let me talk about the political situation of zimbabwe um we we've been uh in a in a in a in a, in a, in a political uh upheaval like situation um which has not necessarily been uh aggressive or violent um but much of the problems that we have they are politically induced, but the challenge is economic. We are, we've got economical challenges more, uh, which are politically motivated. Then when people look at that, they feel and think and say, Zimbabwe is not safe. It has never been unsafe, uh, except for a few selected times where there have been tensions. But uh, since our independence, uh, there's never a time where Zimbabwe has been a war zone. We've never had war. We just had some political issues. We still have, even now, we just had our, 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 our uh, harmonized elections. Um, and they, there are some disputes. There are some uh, complaints. There are some uh, issues that are raised out of that, out of that uh, uh, election. But all in all, we are everyone is safe uh we, we cannot say there's anything that is uh warlike or anything that is really politically vi political violence so zimbabwe has been a very safe uh country um apart from uh the the wildlife the variety of wildlife that we have uh, and everything else in terms of um uh places uh, or sites to visit um, we, do, we do have economic challenges. But at the same time, uh, the church has taken its position to pray for, for the nation, to, uh, to, to facilitate you know, stability, to facilitate uh, dialogue and things like that. So mm -hmm. we do have you know, polit uh, the church leaders who are mature, who can also sit down with the political leaders and address issues and discuss issues. Um, 
but the, of, of, of a big uh, plunge we, we, we have had. Our economy has been uh, uh, struggling and still is, uh, but at the same time, um, we 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 use the mild currents. Uh, we are actually in the mild currents regime, where we use our local currents, uh, which is quite struggling and also uh, uh, quite inflated. But then, to stabilize that, we use the U.S. dollar, and we are actually in in America while we are in Zimbabwe by using the American dollar as an official currency. <laughs> wow, so, I did not know that. Yeah, that's the situation here. <laughs> yeah, but all in all, um, there's freedom of of of, of worship, um, and people are free to worship, uh, and people are also um, free to go about, you know, in villages and communities, uh, doing the work of the ministry. So, and that's the other beauty of uh, Africa. Over in most most countries in Africa, uh, the door is still open uh, where people can come and easily uh, do the work of the ministry, uh, reaching out, evangelizing, teaching. Uh, and that's the other advantage that we encourage the Americans to come and take that advantage uh, and take hands with us, partner with us, and uh, do the work of the ministry because there, there are not many restrictions in that area. So the door is still open. Let's exploit it. Yes, that is great. Is the dominant language in Southern Africa, is it English or does it vary from country to country? Um, we've got two dominant uh, languages. We've got one side where English is so widely spoken, uh, then becomes the official language, uh, inter-countries and things like that. Then the other side of Africa, uh, there's uh, French the French speaking, going also to the islands. The islands are mostly uh, mostly uh, French speaking. So we've got those two key like, main languages as official in Africa. When you say the islands, are you referring to Madagascar and Mauritius or are there more? Yeah, the Madagascar, Mauritius, Reunion, Mayotte, Comoros, uh, yeah. Sure. Thanks for sharing that. So French and English are the primary languages. English is widely spoken, though. So when teams partner with churches in Southern Africa um, to okay, go sorry, out and... Just, just, just one, one point there. In oh, Southern sure. Africa, it's mostly English. But when you go to East Africa and probably West Africa, that's where you begin to see French uh, being spoken. But Southern oh. Africa, the Southern Africa, except Angola, that also speaks Portuguese and Mozambique. Oh, wow, I did not know that. Okay, so when a team comes to Southern Africa and is planning to share the gospel, they don't have to worry about translators. Is that correct? In most cases, they don't have to, but there are some places where it, it is important to have translator. Okay, great. Yeah, sure. Jeff, do you have any other stories, advice, or encouragement you want to share from a goer's perspective, someone who has gone to Africa a couple times, any stories you want to share about your experiences? Sure. Um, so we, you know, we would travel around and go to home to home and kind of on the way to these visits, I would really uh, get to observe and kind of see the people. Uh, this is when I was in Zimbabwe, uh, when I'm thinking of. 
and that area was a gold mining community. Um, we were up in these, there were several towns. I was with a pastor named Pastor Peter, and, uh, and I still talk to Peter to this day. He's a good friend of mine. And uh, we would, as we would go from these home to home, we would see all the crowds kind of gathered out in the town. And the Lord just really began to stir my heart that I needed to street preach on our ways, uh, on our ways to the visits. And um, something that I really noticed um, is that there's such a great a need there. Like as, as Jeffrey was saying, there's, there's poverty around Africa. And so one of the things that I saw that when I was out preaching the gospel and the crowds would get to come in, it was really amazing. They would come in. I was really the only white boy out there. So when I went into the town and I started speaking, like people would come up, like what in the world is he doing here? And, um, but one thing that I saw, um, and something you had to be careful with when preaching the gospel over there and is that, they may think in their mind that they need to receive uh, Jesus so that Jesus can do something for me to fix this problem that I have in my life. And so the, the lines of people would come up wanting me to pray for them. And the things that they were asking were like, I, you know, I worry about the, the, the gold mine collapsing on me and I'm not going to be here the next day. Uh, they, uh, so a lot of the men worried about uh, my family won't respect me because I can't bring home any money because the gold mines are not giving up any, uh, the gold and, uh, uh, sickness was another thing, just a lot of need and worry. And, and something that I realized real quickly is you got to be really careful when sharing the gospel over there, um, that they don't receive Jesus. So just so that Jesus will fix the problem that they're going through in their life. And so, um, so what I would tell them is that, look, you know, God cares about these things. He does. He cares about your worries, your needs. He cares about those things. But most importantly, he cares about your soul and where you're going to spend eternity. And so something that I really had to emphasize on when contextualizing the gospel is like, look, this is a major need first. And you need to take care of this first. You need to be reconciled to God, be made right with him. And, and it's through um, what Christ has done on the cross that we can be reconciled to God. And so emphasizing on their need of their spiritual need rather than their physical need um, and saying, Hey, look, these things are important, but this is most important. This is urgent that you take care of this first. And so uh, I realized that um, what was really incredible too. Uh, I, I remember one specific story when I was out, uh, when I was out preaching and the, the crowds would come in and uh, I remember after sharing the gospel, um, this one guy walked up to me and he goes, normally I would never listen to outsiders. But when I heard the message you were preaching, it shook me to the heart and I knew that I needed to receive it. And so I just encourage anybody who goes to Africa, just be faithful to the gospel. Just preach the gospel and trust in the gospel and the power of the gospel and lives will be changed. Um, don't go confident in your flesh, trust in the, the power of the Holy Spirit and trust in the message of the gospel and let the gospel do the work. Also recognize though, that, that it is a place of a great need and, um, and, you know, to emphasize on, Hey, look, reconciliation with God is most important. Hopefully that's, uh, some useful information. Yes, absolutely. Just to follow up on what Jeff has just said, very important, you know, uh, something to note there um i i was also thinking uh and 
probably to beef up on the issues of the do's and don'ts. Um, we we have some Americans who come, they also get burdened by uh, the needs that are around and they feel they want to help uh, materially, um, which, which is good if they really feel uh, pushed to do that. But at the same time, we've had some situations where people feel about the few uh they need to help probably they might not have uh the, the the resources there and there then they make promises no they promise no when i go back i'm going to do this when i go back i'm going to do this uh and in most cases when you are out of the situation which has touched your heart um you the tendency of forgetting and probably rethink about what you, you about your commitment they're very high. So we've also, also encouraged you know, the American you know, uh, friends uh, and brethren that when they come, when they see a need, they don't need to promise, to make promises. Until they are able to help, whenever they are able to help, they'll just do it without making prior promises. Because when those promises fall out, it also discredits the, uh, the, the, the message of the gospel one, two, it also can put, you know, uh, the remaining leaders uh, in some, you know, uh, situation where they said, maybe what I was supposed to get, you got it. Therefore, you know, the tensions begin to arise. So that's another the slight follow-up to what Jeff has just said. Thank you so much for sharing that piece of advice that's definitely needed, probably hard for some people to hear because you're right, people are moved with compassion. They want to help, but it does more harm than good to make a promise and not deliver on it, puts a bad taste in um, the the hopeful receivers, you know, hard as well as the church. So thank you for sharing that. This was a great conversation. You all shared really great pieces of advice, encouragement your personal experiences about going and receiving. So I really hope and pray that this is encouragement to you, those of you who are watching. And if you are interested in going on a mission trip specifically to Africa, I see sends teams throughout the year all over the world. And we could send a team to Southern Africa, Northern Africa, Western Africa. So always check our website, internationalcommission.org slash go to see the latest trips and the trips that we are recruiting for. So thanks again, Jeffrey and Jeff. And let me just close us in a word of prayer today. Mm. Jesus, I thank you for another day of life. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much that you sent your son Jesus to come and die for us, taking the penalty of sin on him. And God, I thank you for this message of hope that you have given us to share with the world. And it's your desire that every tribe, tongue, and nation will know your name and will come to a saving faith. God, I pray that you would bless Jeffrey's ministry in Africa, as I know he is doing so much, working with the churches, coordinating with them, encouraging them to share the gospel where they are. Thank you for Jeff and his ministry, um, the ministry of evangelism that you have gifted him with. And I thank you for leading him through different states and different places to live and for calling him to the mission field over and over. Thank you for blessing both of these gentlemen's lives. And um, I just pray that you would continue to work in their lives with the purpose of sharing the gospel and making disciples near and far. I pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.